All right, so glad that you guys are here today. We're continuing our series titled Back in Rhythm. And the fact is that all of our lives have a certain rhythm to them. We have patterns that we go through that, that we, we, we just form oftentimes without even really thinking that we're forming this pattern that we live in. And for a lot of us, kind of some of the common themes are we wake up, immediately check social media, brew some coffee, get ready, get dressed, get out the door, go through the work hours, come home, make food, clean up some mess, and go to bed and and rinse, repeat. And and we can fall into these patterns where we're not really doing the things that matter. We're not really doing the things that matter to God or matter to us. And there's two seasons of the year where people begin to reevaluate their patterns and their rhythms to life. One of them is this back-to-school season, and one of them is at New Year's. And so last week we talked about the power and the importance of personal Bible study. And I know a lot of you guys took the challenge and spent some time in Scripture, and I'm so excited to hear how God's been using that in your life. This week we're talking about, about a, a scriptural truth that when we apply it to our life, it can dramatically change some things for us. And I think that we've all had those days where it's like the day started off wrong. Like it started off and we get into a funk and it just feels like things that normally like are difficult are extremely difficult. And because our day started off in this wrong mindset, this wrong pattern, it's like the, the things that normally would annoy us like make us want to just lose it. Like I remember some of these days, I have a title for one of these days, I title this day Yesterday, because yesterday I had one of those days. I mean like at 4 a.m., we still have a baby monitor for my son, and I kid you not, one of his toys, if, if you've had kids, you know this, when, when toys start to die, they, they just, if they say something and they have batteries in it, they say something in a weird voice and they just say it over and over and over. So at like 4 a.m. in my baby monitor, all I hear is, let's pretend it's morning. Let's pretend it's morning. Let's pretend it's morning. Let's pretend I'm not going to freak out and smash this toy against the wall. Like, oh, breaking stuff again. As promised. Ah, there we go. And, and so my, my day started at 4 a.m. yesterday. And then by 6 a.m., my, my son wakes up, and so I barely just get back to sleep after, you know, the, the toy wakes me up, and I'm already in a foul mood, and he wakes up, and he's having a coughing fit, because he has asthma, and every now and then, he'll get in these coughing fits, and so I get up at 6 a.m. now, on Saturday morning, my day to sleep in, and, and I'm trying to give him a nebulizer treatment, and I can't find a piece of it like the piece that goes over his mouth, like the most important piece. And so at 6 a.m., I just was up at 4 a.m. with the demon-possessed toy, and now I've got my son who's coughing, and I can't get him to stop coughing, and I can't find the piece of the nebulizer, and like I am ready to freak out. I go to make my coffee when I finally find the piece, and there's only enough coffee for like half of a pot, and so I have to mix decaf and regular coffee, which is sacrilegious. And I, I, I have enough ammunition in my morning at that point to give myself license to just lose my cool. Like, you know, you give yourself permission when you reach a certain point. Like, I can freak out now. Like, it's allowable. I have an excuse. And honestly, like, I I could have just let the rest of the day be ruined. But but honestly, because this discipline, this this is a part of my rhythm, yesterday turned into a great day. And it wasn't because things dramatically improved. My son was still clingy and fussy. But my outlook was able to change. And if you've had those days where things just feel like they're getting darker and more difficult, if you've had those days where you feel like God is just kind of a distant thought right now, not really something that is close to my heart, 
I'm going to tell you, this, this discipline is what you need. If stress and anxiety wells up on you, and as your day goes on, it gets harder and harder to close the day out, then this is a discipline that you need. And I, want to, I wanted to describe some of its effects first because I want, I want us to allow ourselves to take a different look at this because we have some preconceived notions about what this looks like in our life that, that I think are partly true but partly false. We're talking about prayer today. And often when we think about prayer, we think about like the, the lengthy, like, dear heavenly Father, omnipotent one, like, like you have to have this eloquence. But a lot of times our eloquence has led to like irrelevance, like in the way that we pray. And, and we need to rethink some of the things about how and when we pray. That it's not just something that we do, you know, at one point in the morning and check it off our list and go about our business It's not something that we do to stay out of trouble with God, but it actually has a whole lot of other effects on our spiritual life and on our emotional health. And so we're going to look at a few different passages that speak about prayer today, starting in Psalms chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Psalms chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. But before we do that, I'm going to give you just a little background on the passage. The chapter before, David was writing, and he was actually writing about nighttime, and he's speaking about this, and then he transitions to writing about morning, and the situation he was in, this was during the rebellion of Absalom. One of his sons rebelled against King David, and he actually expelled, like David had to run from the kingdom. And so when you think of your difficulties and your stress and your anxiety, and you think, okay, this doesn't relate to the tension that I feel, place yourself in the shoes of, my son is trying to kill me. I had to run away from my house. I spent the night in a cave. I mean, like, David's understanding tension and anxiety and stress here. And so he, from this situation, he writes these words. In verse 1, it, he's speaking to God, and he says, O oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help. My king and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. Now I want to just first of all draw attention in verse one where he says, pay attention to my groaning because I don't know if David got the memo, but when you pray to God, you're supposed to like kind of have this sense of having it together. Like, I mean, there's, there's this notion amongst our culture that when you speak to God, you should have your stuff together a little bit. And in fact, I, maybe it's just me, but I felt this in the Christian culture especially, that it, if you've sinned and you've messed up, before you start praying to God, speak to God. That you should just put some time and some space between you, when you messed up and when you speak to God. But David doesn't seem to care about that because when in his description, he talks about, in other translations, we'll say sighing or lamenting or groaning, as this one says. That David, he emotionally wasn't well when he was praying this prayer. He was praying from a point uh, of weakness, uh, of sadness, of despair. His family was messed up. His workplace was messed up. But that didn't stop him to, from praying to God. And just on the you know, topic of you know, feeling, guys, we don't ever say we feel sadness. Women can explain it to us better than we can even comprehend it, I think. But when we pray from that difficult position, when things are rough, we're supposed to feel sad and we don't have to mask it. If our life is difficult, we don't have to pretend that things are okay when we pray to God. 
I mean, men, in your car, there's instrumentation. And if the engine is running hot, but the the thermometer on your car isn't reading it, there's a problem. We don't want our dashboard to lie to us when we're seeing how our car is doing. And it's not healthy in the same way for us to try to mask what's going on under the surface, especially in the way that we talk to God. And in fact, I want to tell you that there's actually, there's tremendous health and there's tremendous benefit for ourselves when we, when we can pray from a point of weakness, from, from when we can pray from a point of despair, when we can feel like I can come to God even though right now I don't have it together at all. The, the, the first thing that I want to see from these passages is, is that we need to pray from our weakness and not just our strength. You need to pray from your weakness and not just your strength. When things are difficult, when you don't feel like you have it emotionally together, when you still feel like you want to yell at God because the, the situation is difficult, that is the perfect time to pray. Can we put that quote up on the screen? We pray from your weakness and not just your strength. I've seen this play out, you know, this, this desire to be strong um, for God. I've seen it play out in my life. I've seen it play out just even in the way that my kids interact with me sometimes. I, I mean, I, I see some of this just in one of my daughters. I have three daughters, and, and one of them, she's, she's very much an internal processor. And, and I, I think that it's because she just doesn't ever want to disappoint us. She doesn't ever want to look weak to us. And, and when she, she was, she's just always been like this. And when she was three, she was at a friend's house. And we were living up north, and so they had this wood pellet stove. Um, it's a big piece of metal that they burn wood pellets in to make the house warm. Floridians, we don't get this usually. But it, it, it's, on, it's on fire. It's like fire hot. And she was three, and she went over, and she touched it with both hands and burnt all ten of her fingers. But because of just the way that she's kind of wired up, she went to the happened, was crying, but she didn't tell them what happened. And when we picked her up, she didn't tell us what happened. And it wasn't until that night where I was giving her a bath, and, and I saw her fingers with these blisters on it, and I was like, what in the world happened to you? I mean, that must have hurt so much. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you talk to me about this? We need to bandage this up. We need to put ointment on it. We need to help this heal. And she just, you know, she's embarrassed and she didn't want to talk. She wanted to look strong for me. But as her father, I'm like, until you talk to me, I can't help you with what's going on. And I know that many of you have this sense of like, I'm going to heal this on my own and then I'm going to come back to God. I'm going to fix my problems on my own and then I'm going to come back to God. But I want to tell you, you don't have to be strong. You can be weak. You can pray from a position of difficulty. You can pray from a position of God. I fell back into this addiction. I fell back into this sin. I made this mistake. I got hurt. I'm physically not feeling well. I I have this this anxiety regarding this. And you can pray to God from that position. And God does not love you less. And if you try to strong arm through it, God doesn't love you more. But I'm going to tell you, when you seek after God in prayer, about the difficulty and the anxiety. You're gonna see God show up. The more that we ask God to work, the more we see his hand at work in our life. As the passage continued on, David made this reference. He said, oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. This is an important understanding about prayers because, and this isn't really a popular sentence 
to say, but the fact is that God doesn't hear everyone's prayers the same. And that, that might sound strange, but the fact is we have special access to God. And, and just even the fact of having access to God, I mean, just having access to God, that should just blow our minds for a little bit. Because when we think of talking to important people, if you were to want to go talk to Joe, the, the mayor of Cape Coral, and just walk into his office and start talking to him about your request, like you would have to have a certain level of boldness. You would have to have a certain level of crazy if you just wanted to go barge into uh, the, the governor, Rick's uh, office of Florida, the governor of Florida, to just barge in there. You would have to have a certain level of crazy. You would have to be a little insane to force your way into the Oval Office and try to speak to Donald Trump. And if you were in that office, I'd imagine that you would have a sense of, wow, this is an important place to be. But when we think of speaking to God, I find it's helpful in my own prayer sometimes to just realize, when I speak to him, I have access to the throne room of God. How amazing is that? I mean, every instance in scripture where someone had a picture, had a vision, and they were before God in, in his throne room and saw him in his majesty, they were terrified. But this is the place that we can go. The person who spoke the universe into existence, we have access to speak to him. And scripture teaches us that he hears us. But he doesn't hear you because of your, your goodness. He doesn't hear you because you earned it. He hears you because you have been adopted as a child of God. That, that those who have said, God, I want your forgiveness because I know that Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins and that I need your forgiveness and I need the new life that only you can give I need what only your spirit can give to me. Forgive me. When you make that decision, you have been adopted as a child of God and you have an access to God the Father that is promised throughout scripture that says that you can approach him with boldness knowing that he hears you. When David says, my God and my king, it's not just a God that's up there, but there's the sense that you belong to him and he belongs to you. And so that I can speak to him and know and know that the God of the universe hears me. But not because I was good today, and not because I was good this week or bad this week, or, or in the last month or in the last decade or through my life. It has nothing to do with that, but it has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. You know that you're a child of God because God sent his son to die for you. You know that when you speak, God hears you because Jesus walked and spoke to sinners like me and you. We have access to the throne room of God. We are his and he is ours because of what Jesus Christ has done. He is our God and he is our king. And so when we talk about and we think about prayer, we have to realize that he really does hear us. And so when we pray, and David sets a rhythm in this prayer, he sets this rhythm of saying every morning, Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. He sets this rhythm of saying, this is how I start the mornings, but I feel like we've almost limited to, like, you know, you're a good Christian if you'll spend like 30 minutes in prayer in the morning and, and, and read the Bible and then go about your day. But I want to tell you, that's not really the model of prayer that the whole of Scripture teaches. It is a great and powerful thing to start your day off praying to God, knowing that He hears you, knowing that you belong to Him. 
But, but throughout scripture, we see this, this full model of what prayer should look like in the life of the believer. And I believe that this is what we've been missing. And what, one of the things that's important is taught in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. This is an easy verse to memorize because it's only three words. Never stop praying. I mean, the pattern starts with, with, with the morning. But what scripture teaches is that prayer isn't just something to be done at one point at the time and, and checked off the list, but, but it's this concept that we should never stop praying, that, that our prayer should be something that, that continues throughout the day. And you might hear that and say, man, Paul, I don't think I could pray for 20 minutes, let alone pray throughout the entire day. I have things to get done. Well, I understand. It's not that we're supposed to just sit on our face and, and just pray all day long, but, but there's a different model and there's a different purpose and a different reason for that. The way that we pray isn't just working through lists, but it, it's as we go through every part of our day. I, there, there's this quote from Sam Wigglesworth, and I know that his name sounds like a children's character. I mean, it's a funny name, Wigglesworth, okay? But he was an evangelist in, in the early 18, or in the, the 1900s, and I mean, God did incredible things through him. Like when he prayed, people were healed. People raised from the dead. I mean, the, the accounts of how God worked through him are incredible. Someone asked him about his prayer life, expecting to get, you know, this quote of, I, I pray for two hours, three hours per day. And when they asked him about his prayer life, this is what he said. He said, I never pray for more than 20 minutes. And I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. And, and the power of this isn't saying that I have this one really amazing session of prayer where, where I just, I get it done for the day and I go on. But the power of staying in prayer, of, of never stop praying, th this is, I believe, God's goal for you. And, and I believe that this is God's goal, goal for me because the power of being in prayer is, is the fact that we have this continuing conversation with God. We, we have this continuing uh, movement uh, of knowing that I'm being heard by the God of the universe. And, and, it, and it is important, and just real quickly, some of you guys, as, as you, you're learning to pray, there's models that are important. And I want to go through one real quick before I get back to just this concept of, of continually praying. Uh, sometimes it's helpful to have acrostics and things like that to help you in prayer. One of the most popular ones is the ACTS model. And, and for me to talk about prayer, I feel like this is something that I have to include. And you, you can write this in your notes or in your phone if you're a note taker and you want to, you know, be, step forward in your prayer life. And the ACTS model is just adoration. The first part of my prayer time is spent, I just talk about who God is and how amazing he is, and I reflect on him, and I worship him through prayer, and I adore who God is. The second is confession. The, the, it's the C in Acts, and, and that's dealing with what's happened in your life and keeping a clean slate before God and saying, God, I, I've sinned, I've messed up. The, the T is thanksgiving, being thankful for the things that God's given you. And the S is either situations or supplication, depending on how you learned it. The situations that are going on, praying for other people. And, and it's important that we do each one of those as part of our prayer life, um, especially, you know, praying for others. That's usually the most lengthy part of our prayer list. And this last week, we've been praying for Bobby Sue Hull, who's a member of this church. If you haven't heard yet, um, I would ask you to continue to pray for her. She, she's, um, she just delivered a healthy baby girl, but her baby girl was premature, and though she's, she's doing well right now, she's two pounds. She, she's a little girl. She is the smallest member of Gulfside Church right now. Um, but we are so excited about her. 
and, and she is a little miracle. She's going to be in NICU for about eight weeks, and um, hopefully in a couple months, I'm going to get to hold her up here and show her off to you guys and pray for her as a congregation. But we need to be praying for each other in those things. But when we pray, it shouldn't just be hit that list and then go on. But I believe that God has designed us as a person holistically to pray with ending or to, to pray uh, to never stop praying. And the, the reasons for this is many. When, when I spend time in prayer to God, I realize that I'm dependent on him. When you spend time praying to God, just like, just like in worship, when you find those times where like, you get caught up in worship and, and, and you realize, I don't have to stress about you know, God's provision because it's going to come in time. I don't have to stress about what these other people think about me because my identity is found in God. Like when we're in worship, we, we experience the presence of God and prayer is one of those things that brings us into the presence of God. When we understand who he is and who we're supposed to be, like when we're praying, it's hard for us to put ourselves above God because we know who he is. And so though things are stressful at work, if we've been talking to God through the day, you know, not going 20 minutes without saying some sort of prayer to God, it keeps us in the presence of God. And you know that when you're in the presence of God, your stress and your anxiety, it disappears. You know that when you're in the presence of God, you realize how great and majestic and powerful he is. And so you love him more. And the goal of prayer without ceasing or never stop praying, it's not just that you're alone by yourself praying all day, but that just as you go everywhere that you go, you walk in the presence of God in a way that your fear and your anxiety is pushed out of the way and you are free to live for God the way that he's designed you to live. And, and the second point is this, that you should be talking through whatever you're walking through. When, when it comes to your life with God, you should be talking through whatever you're walking through. If, if your marriage is in trouble right now, don't be afraid to talk to God about that. If your business is having problems right now, don't be afraid to talk to God about that. If you're concerned about your grandchildren, don't be, don't be afraid to talk to God about that. Whatever the issues are that you've been walking through, you've got to be talking with God about them. And the more that we talk to him, the more that we see his hand of provision. Philippians 4, verse, starting at verse 6, it says it this way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and, and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you see the sequence that happens in that verse? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need, thank him for what he has done, then you will experience God's peace. There, there is something about when we have a mindset of prayer that as we go through our day interacting with God, worshiping God through prayer, walking in his presence, that the stress and the anxiety, it can't get to our heart because the peace of Christ is guarding us. And it's not just that we get, because the truth is, the more you pray to God, the more that you will see answered prayer in your life. That is true, but that's not necessarily what guards our heart from the stress and anxiety according to this verse. It, it, it's just the truth that the more that we have God front and center on our mind, the less you're going to be controlled by the stress and anxiety that has been keeping you from chasing the God-given dreams you have and from walking in a close relationship with him. Prayer isn't just a morning thing. It's not just a before-the-meals thing, but it's designed to help us 
navigate every part of our life as it keeps God in the front and the center. And, and I believe that part of walking in that presence, I mean, it is the impact of having God close by. You know, I see it played out like this. You, you can take any tough tattoo-covered man, and if you put a three-year-old with a toy telephone next to him, and that three-year-old reaches up to him and says, it's for you, it doesn't matter how tough that dude is, you're going to see him grab that phone and go, hello? And for a second or two, he's going to act like a three-year-old and play with them. It's amazing how someone's presence in your life can affect the way that you act and the way that you live. I mean, I know this is true in so many levels. It's true on so many personal levels. It's one of the m- many reasons that I married my wife. Because when I'm with her, she helps me be a better person. Just a couple weeks ago, we were at the beach. And band, you guys can make your way back up on stage as I begin to wrap this up. We, we were at the beach, and it was just me and her. It was a date. It was beautiful. It was before, you know, all, all the, the stuff with the river happened, clear waters, and it was us sitting a little bit off the water, and then a couple here and a couple here. And as we're sitting and having a wonderful time, this couple comes up with one of those huge tents, and you know that when they come with the huge tents, it's like they've barely ever been to the beach because no one brings these things. And they bring this 200-piece tent, and they start setting it up right in front of my view. All right? That is not proper beach etiquette. The people on the left, like they were right on top of the left and the right person, the people on the left started verbally criticizing them, like, what are you doing? And like is moving their stuff over. And they're having all kinds of problems setting up this tent, and I'm kind of taking too much pleasure in that um, because I'm like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to drink my drink, and I'm going to watch this tent blow over on you, and I'm going to love it. That's what you get for ruining my view. And as I'm sitting there enjoying watching their tent blow around and them struggle, my wife has to go and ruin it. And she gets up and she goes and starts helping them. And, you know, the people on the right, they were glaring at them. The people on the left, they were glaring at them. I was glaring at them. And my wife has to go and act like Jesus. And <laughs> <sighs> Men, you know what's up. All right. They, they do that to us. And so she's up and she's helping them. So I have to get up and help them now. Put this tent up in my way. And as we're doing it, then the people on the right who are glaring at them, and we don't even know, they get up and they start helping too. And it's amazing how when you have the right person around you, it changes so much in you. And this isn't just about spouses and this isn't just about influence, but this is about prayer. Because when you go through your day, and you're continually speaking with your heavenly Father. And that puts you into his presence as you go through all of the challenges of your life. All of the victories and all of the defeats. You'll find yourself living more and more like him. You'll find yourself loving him more and more. You'll see his hand at work answering more and more prayers. So church, my third point, my third reason in, for us to pray is that we need to pray just to be with God. Just to be with Him. Our connection with God is, is not just that He's God and I am His subject, but it's that I am His child and I am His dearly loved. And He is, he is my Abba, my, my Daddy, my Heavenly Father who loves me with a passionate love.
so I walk through my day with this mindset of prayer because I love him and I want to be with him. And so as we look at the months ahead and this school year and the rhythms that your life is currently in, church, this is my challenge to you. Last week, I rejoiced. There's so many of you guys who are opening up your Bibles this week, and I, I've heard great reports uh, of how God has been using that in your life. And my challenge to you isn't carve out this huge chunk of time in the morning. And, and that's great. And, and some of you guys have a gift of prayer where you can just pray for 30 minutes and, and, and love it. But this is my challenge this week. Can you go through this week with, with the target and the, in the Hebrew in the Psalms 5 passage that actually has this, this reference to archery of I set my eyes or I set, set myself towards you. Will you set your direction this week that I won't go through an hour of, of, my, the, of my waking time during the day without saying some prayer to God? Where I think about him, where I ask what I should do, where I worship him for who he is. Would you seek to have a week of praying without ceasing. Because I believe if you do, you're going to fall deeper in love with God. You're going to see his hand at work more often in your life. And the stress and the anxiety and the worry that it grips so many of us, you're going to feel it release off of your heart. Because you were designed you were designed to live this way with God where you pray without ceasing. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to hear from us, that you love us enough to act on our prayers, and that when we seek after you in prayer that we, we get direction, we of living silence, and that it helps conform us to the pattern of living set by your Son. So for each heart and mind that's willing to take this challenge this week, would you just give them the steadfast mind to seek after you in prayer hour after hour through this day as they drive, as they go to work, as they go to school, as they're working in their home with their children. Help them to just bring everything to you in prayer. And as we do that, we know that the peace of Christ will guard our minds and our hearts. Continue to use us in this place. Help us to be encouragement to our city, to this school. And may your blessing flow through these people. In Jesus' name.